0: You know what I see out there? A bunch of persuaded people. Are you not? Uh, I know one thing, absolutely for sure, that I can have zero confidence in the flesh. None. But I can have every confidence in the world in God and my Savior and the Holy Spirit moving within me. Uh, we're going to go to Lamentations three twenty-two. People don't often use this book, but there are a lot of really good things in there. But I'm just going to choose one verse to start with. And the uh, my where I started on this uh, was to talk about the the second death and uh, the great white throne judgment. If Lord willing, I'll get there next time. But <clears throat> As there's another one of those as I'm compiling and looking I could have made this about a 10-hour sermon because there's so the book of the Bible is so rich with information about this but it's all about a holy God and how he saves his people how he forgives sins and uh, that he's going to bring us to a place and elevate us to a place that we don't deserve to be uh, we know that God it says he is a consuming, fire it says in the bible that he burns against sin uh which is everyone he burns against all sin including yours so much so that without an intervention you would be condemned as everyone else is that is not god's the same uh destiny that satan and his followers have would be yours. And that, that is the second death, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about that because we've got to get there. The uh, Lord is merciful. And in the fact that we're not consumed by our decisions and what we deserve, but rather that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you were not just consumed with his Wrath. Uh, we, we couldn't contend with just a tiny bit of God's wrath laid on us, let alone uh, all of his wrath and in an eternity full of it. But that is the destiny for many. Lamentations 3.22 says this, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, but because his compassions fail not. Ever. Not one little bit. Amen. Uh, If God had one little thing that we could look at and go, you know, he changes. He's like this over here, but inconsistent with that over there. His compassions don't fail. They're not irregular. They are equal. His wrath is equally distributed and would be, again, except for one intervention, the blood of Jesus Christ, period. And that's where the compassion word comes in he had compassion on us I say this many times I said it this morning he knows we're, we're weak we're children of dust and that we, we make mistakes we need guidance we need a father we need a dad right? that's what dads do we guide our children we lift them up we train them the best that we can and you know there's times that I let my children fail that's not a bad thing and on the converse side of that, it's not, uh, that because I didn't have a heart. It's the exact opposite. You know, all these people out there raising kids, well, everybody's a winner. There are no problems. Johnny, two plus two equals five. Thank you for being creative. You're good to go. No, there's a bad thing about letting everything go. And they think it's kindness, not disciplining a child, not taking care of things when they do wrong. Looking the other way. Easy thing. Well, you're acting up. Let me give you my tablet. Or my phone. I see that constantly. You know, it's, it's a, that's not the babysitter. It used to be, I guess, the TV and, uh, things like that. Well, go watch this or do that. And, and certainly I occupied my time in my youth watching stuff. But that wasn't the center of the universe. And to my recollection, I don't remember kind of being set aside. We'll go do this. While, you know, the adults are preoccupied with something. It wasn't that way. But today, it seems like I see it all the time. Uh, we're just going to shove that thing in their, de- their face. And that device is evil. Absolute evil. And I'm not going to get too far down that road, but you know what's on there. You know what people have access to through those devices. It- it's difficult to control, even with the... Uh, Controlling mechanisms built in within a lot of the software, it's not safe. And that is not a babysitter. So God had compassion on us, he trains us, he lets us know where we went wrong, he corrects us, and then we set things right by confessing our sins. We're going to go to Joel now, I'll Let you give you time to get there. Joel Lamus Obadiah, back in that area. Then we're going to go to Zephaniah and Malachi. So we're going to kind of be in that zone for just a little bit. But Joel 2.11, there is judgment coming. I'm going to read a verse later. What must I do to be saved? Just think about that. It's a rhetorical question. What must you do to be saved? Now I've got another question for you. Saved from what? Think about it. What are you saved from? Punishment? Do people think that uh, I just, you know, mentioned God and, and I'm going to go to heaven and, and things? everything's going to be perfect? It's so much more than that. Saved from what? Let's see if we can figure out that answer. You already know the answer. You know, I'm, I'm using this as a tool to get you to think thought-provoking questions and leading questions. Joel 2.11 says this, and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Well, that brings on another question. What's the day of the Lord? What, what is it composed of? Is it, is it one thing? Uh, I could probably encompass all that or encapsulate encapsulate all that into one thing. It's when we see the change that everything has been put under Jesus' feet and we move on to eternity with him. That's a great day of the Lord. But there's also the great day of the Lord in terms of having a very terrible, awful day of judgment for people on planet Earth. And that's where I started with this, trying to get to the second death. And they're all connected to some degree... But there is a great and terrible thing coming, and what must I do to be saved? You see, the, the world isn't interested in the what must I do to be saved part. Later, they certainly will be, and there will be the, those that uh, know what's coming. They will be crushed by the word of Jesus Christ when he comes back. There's some that are aware of it near the end. Again they're calling for the mountains to fall on them and and so forth, but it's too late. They've taken the mark, followed the wrong thing, and now they're seeing this day of the Lord coming upon them, and there's no way to abide it. All those that cannot abide it are not under the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 31 in the same chapter. And Joel, there's some verses in here that are probably dealing with, uh, the, some of the final battle of Armageddon and we can place that in different places. I'm not here to try to discuss that, uh, time periods or when, what occurs at what point. But I can tell you that there's going to be a clash uh, between the armies of heaven and the armies of earth that have gathered there to fight against the king that's coming. And it clearly states that. So those armies, though, it's not a tough battle. We, we go into wars now, and there are losses. Their side has losses. We have losses. They lose equipment. We lose equipment. We damage them. They damage us. This isn't that kind of battle. There is going to be no other side. Our side will take no losses. First of all, we don't do the battle. It's, it's Christ. He'll, he'll kill them with his word. And it's a very quick, instantaneous thing. And if you connect other Bible, Bible scriptures with this particular thing in Joel, the battle of Armageddon, millions will die. Blood and water, uh, will be bridle high. Uh, tail weighing talent a talent which is about 70 pounds will be falling out of the sky terrible things you can't even imagine what it's like but those armies that are assembled there to fight Jesus when he comes back are slaughtered immediately then there's a change that's part of the great day but that's not the final part uh the final part's going to come shortly after this uh False prophet and are thrown alive in a lake of fire. Satan has a destiny. And we would have that same destiny had it not, again, been for the intervention of Jesus Christ. That's what we're saved from. Joel 2.31, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And... Oftentimes when it uses terrible, it's the translation from a few hundred years ago. That didn't mean like we, the connotation that we put to it now. You know, to, to lose a child, that's a terrible thing. You know, some other uh, loss or difficulty, a, a, a car wreck, that's a terrible thing. But a few hundred years ago, it just meant awesome. A thing that's, uh, We can't, our minds can't even take it in. That kind of, of terrible. We're gonna go to Zephaniah 114. Zephaniah 114, and we're still on that same theme. The great day of the Lord is near. Let's see. When was Zephaniah written? That was over 2,000 years ago, right? Well, what did he say here? It's near. And hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty men shall cry there bitterly. There will be a lot. Lord, didn't I do miracles for you? Didn't I uh, uh, prophesy? Didn't I do these things? And they're going to hear final words that are terrible. Depart from me, I never knew you. But they're going to be crying bitterly because they now see what it was they rejected. That they are lost. That there is a terrible and great thing that they're going to have to abide now. And they don't want to go. I wouldn't either. I've had issues with people in my life that I was, had great difficulty with. But when I peel back everything, what I want for that person is to hear from the Lord, well done now, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. So how can I cast judgment on somebody? Because when I do that, I'm telling them, I want to hear, I want them to hear the other thing. Depart from me. I forgot where I was. I do this a lot now. It might have been in, a, in a, our men's study the other night. Uh, but when we have judgment and we, we have these things that are just a natural part of us. And, you know, when we express things, we need to be careful because we're bringing that judgment back on us when we choose to think the wrong thing. Uh, and again, cast that judgment on someone else. we need to be careful uh, because of what really oh it was our study. It was talking about the moat and in someone 's eye, and so on it 's hard to see our own problems, but it 's easy to see everybody else 's and even when we look in the mirror that 's what it was oh we say, oh there 's some flaws, but we walk away and we soon forget <laughs> what it was that the Holy Spirit showed us that we needed to correct, so we need to be very careful about how uh, we apply judgment and it should be applied here first. And then when you do that, you're going to have a limited amount that you're going to want to apply somewhere else. Because it's just not your job. It doesn't mean you can't point out sin, but you better do it the right way. Malachi one. Great and terrible day of the Lord. You know, the world, a fire started 2,000 years ago. A spiritual fire. It started in Acts, very early. And 3,000 people were added that day. As decreed by God, by the way, 3,000 souls were added. No more no less precisely as decreed by God that those would be saved and baptized and become part of the church. Later, there was a meeting. They all met in one accord. What happened? The comforter came. Cloven hooves of fire were on them. They spoke in tongues that other people understood. Those souls, again, again, 3,000 were added because the fire started. And it was because of Jesus. He said, i got to go away so I can send the comforter. That fire has been burning for 2,000 years. There are those that want to extinguish it. And they're doing their best. Although it's an impossibility, you can't extinguish the fire of the Spirit. The Spirit will go and do the work that he was decreed to do by God the Father Period. No more, no less, precisely as God decrees it. Has nothing to do with human imagination, desire, or choices. We can't thwart the will of God. You can't change it, you can't stop it, you can't obstruct it. Neither can Satan. Romans chapter 2. Oops, on your way there. Can we stop at John twelve forty eight? <laughs> Isn't it wonderful that spiritual fire was started, and it's part of you. You have that burning inside. That's also what you're supposed to let burn and let other people see your flame. And hopefully your fl- I'm having a hard time speaking now. Hopefully your flame is like this and not that little spark. We, we want to be a big flame. We want to set it on the hill so it draws other people to it. John 12, 48, I believe is where I sold you to go. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that day. Can words judge you? Yes. Just try the Ten Commandments on precise. Those will judge you every time you look at them. And if you violated one, you violated them all. So we're all violators. We're all those natural people to some degree. Uh, But we've been changed. We're no longer common man. We're men and women, brothers and sisters, that have had a change of heart, not because of our choice, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit that brought us into the fold. And now we try to walk a better way, a new and living way. We don't succeed every day. It doesn't mean you're an eternal failure. It means you're a failure in the moment. Now, Romans 2. may seem out of place. I'm going to talk about some other things before I get there. I've been distracted all morning. I, I think out of my it lesson this morning, I think I used two verses. <laughs> kind of kept going in, in other areas, and I hope the, the Holy Spirit was in all of that. But before we get here, what we're dealing with now, God created the world in how many days? And what did he do in the seventh? So seven total days, right? I think God could have just gone, there it is. There's everything. But why did he choose to do it the way that he did? To show us a pattern. To get, That was some of the first lessons right there. Doing something in six days, there was order to it. Absolute order. We can see the order of God in creation. And then in everything else that occurs... And then the day of rest. And it's it's a pattern that we're supposed to follow. God did it, we're supposed to follow the pattern. Uh, there's an order to things. Can lying be part of order? No. Can chaos be part of order? Can confusion be part of order? No. Those two things are so incompatible, we can't even contrast them together. So look at the world. See the things that are in order. Look at everything that's in disorder. You know who the father of disorder is and who their father is. They are of their father, Satan. They follow the father of lies. He's the author of confusion. And that's why we have what we have. The things that we see in our school and school boards that are being read. The materials that are in the library that our children shouldn't see. And I know I've talked about this recently, but it's the disorder. That's what Satan brings. When you try to tell someone you're being disorderly, you can't tell me that. How dare you not recognize that I'm a man in woman's clothing and you're going to call me a woman? Well, it's disorder. It's not right. It doesn't fit with natural things. It causes confusion. It's a lie. So where did it come from? Who is the source of that particular item of disorder that I just mentioned? It has to be. Look look at the, the politicians. And I know I wax political too much. At the same time, we need to have confidence in our leaders to do the right thing. Look at the laws that they make. Does it bring order or disorder? Who, If we had order, would we not follow our own law? We make laws. So in order, we make a law so things are orderly. But you make a law and you're not going to follow it and close the border. You're going to make a law... Not follow it, the border's open and people die because of fentanyl. These things are disorderly. When we look at it and you try to go, I want to fix that. I want to get with my leaders and fix that. And then you're called whatever. You're mean because you don't want to have open borders. And you're mean because you don't recognize a, a man, it's a woman, it's a woman, whatever that I said. A, woman, a man that thinks he's a woman, you got to call her a woman. Those are disorderly things. The product of one thing and one person. And here's the problem with most of the world. Freedom. I'm going to express this in a slightly different way. When I was young, I couldn't wait to get out of the house. I hope you guys don't feel that way. I went at it with my father and so on, and I wanted that freedom. And you talk to a lot of uh, children, you know, oh, I want freedom, I want freedom, I gotta be out from under this. And they get out in the world and they go, oh, wait a minute, I'm in bondage more than I ever was before. I gotta have a house, I gotta have food, gotta have a car, gotta have this. How do you get those things... Uh without being trained and putting some effort into it. Now, you talk about, and I say bondage, but you know what I mean. The freedom isn't there. You don't just have the freedom to do whatever you want. you got to fend for yourself. They don't understand at a young age what freedom is and what truly brings freedom. What truly brings freedom biblically is to follow Christ. Well, does that mean you can't do those things? Yes, but it's keeping you from the things that cause death. Isn't that exactly what a parent does? With rules, with limitations, with barriers and boundaries. And we as children, to our father and children to you, push those boundaries. Has anybody ever had a child that never pushed not one boundary? You've had a child? No. Joseph and Mary. What? Joseph and Mary. That one doesn't count. (laughs) I was wondering why you lifted your hand. I know you're not married, don't have kids. (coughs) I agree. But that's the only one. Uh how many of you, you, as children, wanted that freedom and you pushed against it, and when you got it, you went, oops. That was a bad thing to get myself into, and many times I'd look back to mom and dad and go, please help me. I did that thing you told me not to do, gave me the freedom to do, made my own mistake, and now i got to deal with it, and I'm not sure how. Now, those exact words in a kind of different way, don't you say to God all the time, I should have prayed about what I was supposed to do tomorrow, I really didn't put God in that plan I kind of stepped out and did it myself and now I've messed it up and you got to stop in your tracks ask for forgiveness and aid and God always has mercy and compassion on you again we, we allow mistakes so there's learning These parents that, again, fix everything for their kids and their kids get out and they have no idea how to fend for themselves, none. Well, you let them sit in the basement playing video games till they were 32. (laughs) It never ceases to amaze me, some of these uh, brainless children that were raised at their parents. I don't know if they even, I guess they deceived themselves thinking they were loving them and let them get away with everything. But it's actually a destroyer to do that. The same way it would be if God just let you loose. It would destroy you. All right. Romans 2, verse 3. Is that where we were, right? And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them who which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God we read a verse verses on this the other night you know the person that owed so much to his lord he asked for compassion worshiped he was forgiven went right out and the guy that owed him a day's wage took him by the throat threw him in prison this is what applies to that he can't escape the judgment now that he was unforgiving Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? That's what I've been talking about for the last five minutes. And the goodness of God is sometimes letting you go through punishment and difficulty to see what it is, where your actions took you. But isn't it a wonderful thing that he leads us to repentance through exposing us to sin? That's why we gravitate to light. Why? That our deeds can be exposed, can be shown. We can see them. It's not that he needs to see our deeds. He knows what they are. It's for us to see. And then we that have been changed, we gravitate to the light. We want it more. Show us more. It's not a, it's not a fun thing. to do that examination introspection but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up to uh, up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God we're back to the day of the lord and judgment Who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well doing seeking for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey uh, unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. Ooh, indignation. That's that's a pretty tough word. I can tell you, you don't want to deal with God's indignation. The way he burns against sin. Verse 9, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. What a wonderful promise that is. So that means it's everybody. Everybody that does evil will be judged. And if you've done evil and you're not covered by the blood of Christ, you will pay the price. Verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. The law's there, it's our schoolmaster, it's to train us, it's to show us where we went wrong, where our flaws are, where our weaknesses are, and go back and correct. We're constantly being molded and fashioned into the image of Christ, which is a work that will be done until you die. Uh, I know I've said that several times up here. It's not It's not finished. Now, our our salvation, that work's finished. But conforming you to the image of Christ is constant work. Some need a lot more work than others. It's the way I feel. Second Timothy 1.12 We just sang the song. See who is it Who is it that? Ha, who is it that we have confidence in? Eternally speaking. It's not in ourselves. We all know that. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. It's all because of Him. And then if I can look into the love of Christ and have confidence in what He did for me, and that there was a purpose and reason behind His sacrifice on the cross, then I can have every confidence in the world if He loved me enough to give His life for, I want to do my best to love Him enough and follow Him. And then be chastised by the Spirit. And then do those things to be corrected, to be constantly worked upon, to be fashioned, into the image of Christ. You know the Old Testament things, uh, and I'm drawing from different scriptures that I ran across, and again couldn't compact it all in. But think about that: uh, the smith that's working that uh, metal. And first of all, you purify the metal, right? How do you how do you do that? How do you get the dross or the dross, the impurities? Uh, it's not going to sit there, and you can't beat on it till the impurities come out. You got to heat it up first. The dross comes to the top, the impurities come to the top, they scoop that off, and as you continue that process, it's purer and purer. But is it still in any kind of shape? Not yet. It's still going to be formed by that smith into the vessel that he wants. Or another one, if we took the pot maker, and he takes all these clay pots and makes them, and the ones that didn't come out right, came out a little weird or flawed, is it was pretty neat to see the... Oh, the guy in Mississippi, he was a a wild man that made really weird pottery. He's very famous. I can't think of his name, if you can't tell me. But you go to his his museum and look, and he—you it's just strange things when you look at it, but they're beautiful. Well, in the old days, what they would do, the pot didn't come out right. It went wrong on the wheel and got all messed up. They just throw it out and start over. Clay's cheap. But you can also take that, Old clay, the old clay pots, grind it up into powder, reform it with water of the Spirit, mold it and fashion it to some new thing that's a vessel that can hold the Holy Spirit. At first, you're not. You have to be remade into something that contained the Spirit. Your vessel was dirty. It was filthy. It was flawed. It was leaky. But when God begins to work on you through the Holy Spirit, that vessel's changed into one that's honor, contains honor. While we're on that, God can also make a vessel of dishonor. It's his choice. It's what he has decreed to occur. His own will we can't always understand. But he does make vessels of honor Vessels of dishonor. The vessels of honor are his going to eternity. The vessels of dishonor will be destroyed. How does he make those choices? I don't know. Those are his choices to make. He's sovereign over all things. We need to be happy and understand that that compassion that we're talking about, that all of this judgment was not reserved for us. We were saved, pulled out of that, set apart. Able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day of judgment. We're going to go to Hebrews, Jude, and Revelation, so we're going to be down on that end. Hebrews 10.25. We're supposed to be ready and as we see the, the day uh, approaching, we're supposed to be able to read some of the signs and, And you know, I, I guess throughout history, World War One. I'm sure there were people who thought, oh, this is the end of the world, it was awful and it was terrible. You look at the things that man did to massacre one another and how they did it and the tools that they used. But we didn't learn our lesson. That was in, what, 1917-ish, you know, uh, late teens. Then what happened? 20-something years later, another world war. Absolute destruction. Again, all that destruction, confusion, uh, terrible things that happened, that was not of God. That was man. I talked a little bit about that this morning. We have developed with our ingenuity, I say that term lightly, Created things with science that we can't or should not control. We shouldn't have it in the first place because we have the, not the ability to control it. And I'm talking about nuclear weapons, chemical things, and so on. But man, in our arrogance, we've built devices and things that are just used for one thing, annihilating one another. And, uh, we need to be protected. From such things. We know that the day is approaching. Are all those signs. Well to some degree. It wasn't again out of order to say. Jesus is coming soon. A couple of thousand years ago. Any more than it is today. But we can see that. I can see things now that we have today. That we didn't have. A hundred years ago. Did we have the ability to destroy planet earth. A hundred years ago. No. We do now. Since the 1940s. It could be done pretty easily. And uh, we don't even have to have the nations themselves actually to exist anymore. You know how many nukes we have on our ships, our subs, our planes? You know how many they have on the other side? They're full too. We carry nuclear weapons. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> we carry some mean stuff on our ships. I can just tell you that. And we're, we're good at developing weapons of war. But that's not what we're supposed to do. And I, I guess, in the, well, Carl, aren't we supposed to be able to defend ourselves? Yeah. But at some point, it just gets out of hand. You get in a, a, a tiff with your neighbor, and he gets a stick. Well, you're going to go get a bigger stick. Then he gets a log. And uh, you're going to go get a bow and arrow or a knife, and he's going to get something bigger. Than, and then it just keeps going, right? you got to match them until we get something that's really dumb, like mutually assured destruction. That was a big word, in, what, 40 years ago? Well, that's going to save us. If we have the ability to kill ourselves, each side, it's going to keep peace. What a dumb way of thinking. <laughs> Eventually, somebody's going to get frustrated enough to push the button. Uh again if it wasn't for the holy spirit restraining men we would annihilate ourselves very simple uh. Hebrews 10:25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. That's what we're supposed to do as a family, a church family. Exhort one another, prepare, keep each other safe. Guard one another. Let's go to Jude 1.6 and then Revelation 6.17. Jude 1.6. Annihilation. Men have a thirst for that, annihilating the other side. Does that come from God? Does that thirst for annihilation, that bloodthirstness or thirstiness, is that of God? No. It's sad, but we do have to have a military. We, we should protect ourselves and so forth. But we, we shouldn't be on the offense but always be guarded to be on the defense. Again, I can't remember where I said this or where I heard it in the last few days. We're supposed to be wise as serpents. I was talking to Brother Russell. Uh, Wise as serpents. And I think I said gentle as doves, but it's harmless. Really the same thing. But wise as serpents. I need to have a wisdom to watch everything that's going on around me and our leaders that are failing us. But I also need—this is where I need a lot of work. Harmless is a dove. Uh, not very harmless. I blame that on my Navy chief days. Uh, it's a reaction, military reaction to things. Trying to correct that, but we need to be harmless. We need to be gentle. Again, that doesn't mean you're a doormat for people, and that will happen. I always call Tammy, CSI Tammy, because there's a show about investigations, and, and she's uh, really good. I have to be careful around her. She's very good at detecting things, and then she sees stuff that I don't see. Uh, and That's why we have wives. Men, we're kind of impervious to certain things. She'll pick up on things and go, well, did you know what that really meant, what that person said? And I go, no. And she'll tell me. I go, oh, I didn't sense that. Didn't see it. So here's what happened. And this came up the other day. How do you know who to help and who not to help? A person on the street, right? So we're, we're coming out of HEB, and uh, I'm trying to help her load her car. We had both cars there. And this... I hear something behind me saying, Sir, excuse me, so it was a lady in a truck. and It's the same typical story, I don't normally do things like this, but I need help, and I'm being very catty. So I kind of leaned over into the truck for a second, and I saw a little bag with a couple of pieces of food, not much, forgot what it was even, I just, I just need some food for my kids and you can have my phone number, you can go in the store with me. Uh, What she really wanted was, you know, some ka chinga chinga but she wasn't getting it, so I said, well, I'll get you a little food. Started towards Dollar Tree, and she said she'd rather go into the the bigger store. So I turned for a second, and then I got to thinking, I don't want to follow her all around H-E-B, getting the things that she may or may not want. Dollar Tree does have a lot of good things. I watch a, a, a YouTube channel, Frugal Fit, Frit, Frugal. Well, I can't talk today, sorry. Frugal Fit Mom, and she does things like how to feed a family of six on Dollar Tree uh, food for uh, forty-two dollars. and It's crazy the stuff she puts together. And literally, you can go in there and get certain things. If you're hungry, you can feed a, a somewhat large family for a few days just on a few bucks. So I said, let's just go on into the, the Dollar Tree. She said she wasn't familiar with it. So we walked in, and I'm just right behind her. And I said, well, you can get uh, eight or ten items, whatever Whatever I said. <laughs> dollar Tree's not a dollar anymore. They're cheapness for 25 cents, just so you know. But 25. So we go through. She said she wasn't familiar, but as soon as we walked in, oh, yeah, I want some uh, pudding. and And it was no new thing to her she knew exactly what was in dollar tree so i I really didn't care okay that's on her we went to the freezer section got a few things she went several items over the eight or ten whatever it was which i didn't care and i even grabbed an extra one down the aisle i said "You gotta have some macaroni and cheese i said i was raised on uh pbj's macaroni and cheese and hot dogs so kind of joking with her anybody else yeah Easy to fix, right? And that, I could fix that myself if I got home and got hungry before mom was cooking. Anyway, uh, it's just a staple of my youth. And I know we shared bologna and cheese and my cousins. So, anyway, he's grabbing these things and I pay for it. And I thought, okay, I didn't think about CSI Detective Tammy. So I come out, she's already gone, I thought, you know, so I get in the car and I get home. And car's not there. So I thought, well, what, what happened to her? And it was really bad traffic. I thought, well, maybe she went a different direction and got hung up. And she came on in. I'm going to try to make this a shorter story. Too late. <laughs> but I guess the late, I may not get this exactly right. She asked more people for help in the parking lot after she got help from us. Uh, another person. Then she went to the gas station asking for money. Tammy finally was following her and then the lady noticed Tammy following her she didn't know I was connected to her so she turns around gave her the sign of love okay and you know what that means so now when I saw that picture I was infuriated I thought here you are try to help another person and they burned you just like you've been burned before so I have a hard time. When should I help and when should I not? When is an angel unawares and when is it just a person trying to uh, just get things for free? Oh, I left a part out. She came out. I drove away and her husband came out of the bait shop. Well, they had money for that but didn't have anyway. So I'm I'm not describing anything you haven't experienced yourself. So here's how that works. That's on her. Right, It's not on me. I did what I felt I was allowed to do and I can tell you and if I would have known that I would have told her that money's cursed, the food is cursed, and you're cursed. Not that I'm wanting to curse you until you get things right. And that's really what it boils down to. But that's their way of life. Read Proverbs. You can find the ways of the sloth and the sluggard and how deceitful they are and how much uh, fear of work because of the Bears and tigers and whatever else is out there in the streets keeping me from doing it. Any excuse, I'm not even going to bring the spoon to my mouth. The world's full of them. You do as the Holy Spirit leads. They will be held accountable at this day of reckoning. It's not up to you to be upset about it. I was at first. I just thought, good grief. Did I fall for it? And I'm suspicious the whole conversation. But she will not be able to, or her husband, to withstand the great day of judgment that's coming. Go to Luke 12. I'm going to skim through some parts of this to get to the part that I really, really want. But it really, the first part of the thrust is just to be ready. Jesus is coming back. The bridegroom is coming to get his bride. And I'm, I'm ready. Luke 12 and we're going to go down to uh, 34. I have to start there and I'll skim through some of these. Verse 34, Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where was that lady's treasure? Earthly things, earthly stuff. If she had been following God through the Holy Spirit, the Lord will tell you how to protect yourself, how to fend for yourself, how to feed your children, how to do those other things. If you're following Him, you're not going to be begging for bread. Seems like I read that somewhere, right? He will give you and empower you to provide. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that they may open unto him immediately. And that's what, that's our stance. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Can you imagine our majesty sitting down to serve us? It's happened before, but I can't wait for that, that supper with all of our friends, all of our family, all the other believers, those that I've never even met to sit down with the Lord forever. What a great day that's going to be. And then it talks about those that aren't prepared coming in this watch or that watch. It doesn't, we don't know, but we need to prepare, be prepared at any time. Let's go down to 43. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and uh, to eat and to drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and we'll cut him in sunder and we'll appoint him his portion with the unbelievers, which is the day of wrath, the eternal punishment, the second death. And I'm going to get to that. Uh, that came from Blaine. He would, The last couple of times he's mentioned the second death and I've been chewing on it, uh, trying to think how to present it and uh, hopefully we'll get there next. Verse 47 says this, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. 51, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. When that fire was started 2,000 years ago, it separated things. Those that are God's, those that are uh Not. Families will be separated. There will be those that are gods, those that are not. There's going to be debate within friendships and families and so forth and separation and division because there are those that are of the light and follow the light and those that are not and have disdain for all the others. He will not bring peace. Verse 54. Oh, And he said also to the people when you see a cloud rise out of the west. This is weather stuff here. That's why I like it. See a cloud rise out of the west and straightway you see there cometh a shower and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow you say well there will be heat and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites that can discern the face of the sky and of the earth but how is it that you do not discern this time? Yea and why even of yourselves uh, judge ye not what is right? You saying you have the ability to do these other things why can't you tell What season we're in now, and to be prepared for the Lord. When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him. Lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. And I tell thee, thou shalt not depart thence, till thou hast paid the very last mite. What would it take to put someone in prison and go, this is the precise amount that they owe me. You've got to calculate it. You've got to know and understand. The Pharisees knew how to do that, but they couldn't tell who Jesus was. John 5, 29. Everybody's going to be re- resurrected. Everyone. There's no such thing as soul sleep or staying in the grave permanently. In fact, they're not in the grave now. There's no one that has died or gone on that's still in that hole in the ground. They're not there. Their body is or what's left maybe. Uh, But they're not there. Their spirit, when they died, goes one to two places. Home with the Lord or to punishment. Again, Lazarus and rich man, they could see one another. But there was immediate Punishment. It wasn't postponed. Now, it's not the second death. That's not the final thing. But everybody's going to be resurrected, and that was my point. John 5, 29. And shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life. That's us. And they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. Judgment. We don't want to see that even says in the Bible, share this and save some, even if by fear. You know, that's hellfire and brimstone stuff that you heard maybe when you were children or expressed that way. There's nothing wrong with that kind of preaching because judgment's going to happen. And if it takes that to put fear in you, I guess, but even that is not the right way to say it. I can't cause you to fear and then go to the Lord. It still has to be the Holy Spirit working with you to even see that you should be fearful in the first place and then turn to the Lord. It can't occur by the works of the flesh or intent of the heart and flesh. I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes 9 uh, in closing. I'm not going to get done. Resurrection of damnation. So there are both. But they don't care. You can go out and share this with people in the world. They just tell you, first of all, you're a foolish. And second of all, how hateful you are to tell me that I could be bound for hell. It's not a hateful thing at all. I shared that earlier. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one uh, event unto all, yea, Also, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. That's it. (laughs) You're going to the dead, and I'm talking about dead in the ground, dead spiritually, and dead eternally. It's it's all the same thing. They're dead. Never to be resurrected to life again. Verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Where did we start with, with that hope today? For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's hope. That's what we're saying about it. And I'd really rather be a dead dog than or a living dog than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die. But the dead know not anything. <laughs> they don't know anything. Isn't that obvious? You can look at the people and the way they're acting and what they do. And you, go, you don't know anything. You don't understand what you're doing and the impact to others. You don't care. It's all selfishness. And this is terrible. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead no, not anything, neither uh, have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Where did they get their reward? When, uh, when did they get their reward? Now. And that's what they want. I want it all. Give it to me. I deserve it. I can act any way I want, but you owe me something. Uh, what a terrible way to think. But they've already gotten their reward in this life. I don't want my reward in this life. I want to be blessed. But that's not where my reward is. My reward is in the end of things when I get to see Jesus. When he takes me home. When I can sit in his presence. When I can worship him. In spirit and in truth. That's my reward. And to be there with him forever. And then nobody can pluck me out of the Father's hand but the memory of them is forgotten. 10,000 years ago, you're going to remember some of these evil people and what they did? No. Why? You're going to be at home with the Lord. Why even ponder or try to think about such things? We're not going to have a desire to think about such things. It's going to be gone, forgotten. Also, their love and their hatred and their envy. I want to read that again. Their love, their hatred, their envy is now perished. And when it says their love, that's not unfeigned love. If it was, they would act differently. They don't know what unfeigned love is. They don't know what unconditional love is. Is now perished. Neither have they any portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. They have no portion. We do. We had a portion with Christ. All that are God's are Christ. All that is Christ is ours. He is ours. We are His. And I, you know, you've heard all these verses and words. Those are all wonderful things. It's the gift that we have to be eternally with Him, to be forgiven of sin, to have Him put as far away as the East is from the West. I'm about eight verses away from Second Death. Okay. I'm going to stop because I'm right at the point where I began. In Acts, it says, you just don't have to go there if you, unless you go quickly. Acts sixteen thirty-one or 30 and 31. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer was afraid. He just saw things that just blew his mind. The jail fell apart. Shackles fell down. He thought all of them has escaped. But they didn't. They didn't leave. And he asked the most important question that can be asked. What must I do to be saved? And there's an answer. And it's the same answer for you. By the way, you can use this temporally or eternally. There are a lot that go both ways. If if I'm in a problem, in a situation, I can ask God for help and he Saves me from that, but also eternally when I realize that I'm headed for that day of judgment, damnation, that I can pray to be saved as encouraged or caused by the Holy Spirit, ask for forgiveness. So here was the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And I like this last part, although I'm going to tell you, I don't understand it. And thy house. Bunch of people were baptized that day too, right? They went there. They preached. People were saved. Let's go. To, I'll close with this: Matthew thirteen forty nine and fifty. And I may come back to a couple of these to layer if I end up staying with the second death for the second part, part two. Matthew 13, 49 and 50. This is why we should have pity. If we know the end of all those that aren't Christ, haven't come to him. They're in for the wrath of God. We should pity them. Thirteen forty nine, Matthew. So it shall be at the end of the world or end of the age is the real word there. Uh, aeon. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, the unelect from the elect, those not of God from gods, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And that was my lead in to go to the second death segment. Uh, I'll pray that the Lord, uh, if I stay on that topic, will continue. But we don't want that. I don't want that for anyone. The second death is the final thing. That's when everything's going to be put under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. All principalities, powers. Satan will be extinguished. Everything's put under his feet. He is our king. He sits in that seat of righteousness and judges righteously everything. And we would be judged too had he not given his life and blood for us. May God bless you this morning.